RWJ Barnabas Health Telemed offers you two convenient ways to see a doctor anytime, anywhere, without having to come in for an appointment. If you're in need of urgent care, you can use our app to connect with a provider 24-7, right on your smartphone, tablet, or computer. Or you can use our website to schedule a virtual visit with an RWJ Barnabas Health Medical Group provider or specialist. And you can even register as a new patient. Book an appointment online at rwjbh.org slash telemed. Your safety has always been our top priority, and we've taken every precaution. So don't delay your care any longer. Get started today at rwjbh.org slash telemed. RWJ Barnabas Health. Let's be healthy together. Hello again, everyone. I'm Matt Lachlan, along with Chris Westcott. Welcome to Speak of the Devils, our podcast presented by RWJ Barnabas Health, the official health care provider of the New Jersey Devils. And Chris, we're going to have a chance to speak with our boss, a little farther up the chain. Not- boss's, boss's, boss's boss, I think. Exactly. We're going to speak <laughs> with the uh, CEO, the chief executive officer of Harris Blitzer Sports and Entertainment, Scott O'Neill. And we are going to talk about the devils, but we're going to talk about his new book, Be Where Your Feet Are, Seven Principles to Keep You Present, Grounded, and Thriving, published by St. Martin's Essentials. And again, we will talk hockey, but people should stick around for the conversation at the start of the podcast about this book, about the lessons. You know, I I went through the book very quickly. It's an easy read, as I say later in the podcast, which we just concluded recording. Uh, It's a hard read, too, because it forces you to think and look inward. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'm not just saying this. I mean, we both finished the book uh, within the last 24 hours, and uh, I took a lot from it. And actually, I started practicing some of the principles. I'll I'll, I'll talk to Scott about that um, when we speak to him very shortly. But for me, it was it. What makes the book engaging is that you actually at the end of each short story, they're very easy to get through. At the end of each short story, you can relate to, I would say, like 95% of those stories. And it makes you really look inward and decide that you want to do something about it or that you can do something about it. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a hard read because of some of those stories are sad, but it's a good read and it's an inspirational read as well and shows that how we, especially during this tumultuous time with the pandemic and you know, we had all the uncertainty of the industry and, and shutting down seasons. And it, it's been a really tough year. So to a book like this is coming out at the right time, in my opinion, because there's a lot of lessons you could take coming out of this last year that are in this book. Yeah. And it's been well received. Uh, he's been on the circuit speaking with people both within the sports field or the business community, whatever the audiences they hope to reach. And again, the book has been well received. But from a hockey perspective, and he talks about, you know, briefly about his hockey beginnings, if you will, back in the day growing up in in Newburgh, New York. But his words and people you want to stick around for his words about what the Devils are about, where they're going. And what I like is because I know, Chris, I get frustrated as well. I love our Devils fans. And, and they'll say, well, you know, the one playoff appearance uh, since going to the Stanley Cup final in 2012. And you try to explain that there were different 
years in different bills. Finally, as Scott will tell you, the Band-Aid was pulled off. If you can't see the difference between 2015 and 16 and now, you're just not paying attention. It's a different point in the devil's history, and so many good things are on the horizon, and, and we get to talk to Scott about that as well. I think, Maddie, that's so hard to hear as a fan. I mean, of a I franchise, agree. and you, and but it's true. It's it's sometimes the truth is the hardest to hear, and it's this team is completely different. I mean, Jack Hughes and his development, uh, Nico Heischer. We barely saw Nico Heischer this past year, and what we saw from him was he was scoring at a pretty good clip, and he was playing some really good hockey. And this team also never quit. And I know that that could be seen as a cliche. Uh, in sports it's maybe used far too often in different scenarios that maybe it shouldn't be used in this team did not quit Uh, they were outmanned outgunned they had so many injuries happen and they were already short-staffed the roster was not complete this year and yet they kept battling and the young players kept learning learning from their mistakes learning from Lindy Ruff in his first season that was very visible frustrating at times Mm -hmm. but very visible and expected if you take that 10,000 foot view of where this team should be and should have been this past season. Now, where does it go from here? Like you said, I think if you're a fan, you're going to get excited about one particular answer of this podcast. No doubt about it. So on that note, why don't we kick things off with the CEO of Harris Blitzer Sports and Entertainment, HBSE, uh, and the author of Be Where Your Feet Are, Seven Principles to Keep You Present, Grounded, and Thriving. Scott O'Neill. Scott, thanks so much for giving us your time. I'm curious as to, as you employ these principles in the book, into your life, into business, into family, et cetera, what started to happen that you thought, there's a book here, and I think people can benefit from it? Oh, man, I wish it was that simple, to be honest with you. I, um, you know, I've had, like, I'm the son of two leadership development PhDs, so you know, I grew up in a laboratory for better or for worse. My folks traveled all over the world and uh, with Xerox and ADP in Texaco from literally Newburgh, New York, where I grew up all the way to Africa and London, you know, um, quite a bit in the U.S. So, I, I mean, this is kind of how I grew up. I mean, I had no intention of writing a book. Uh, I had a really sad thing happen. My best friend took his own life and I'm sitting at his funeral and I'm looking at his children, his five kids. And all I kept thinking about was, man, this is, I mean, it's one of the most, his name is Will Carden, one of the most special human beings I've ever met in my life. He impacted my life. He baptized me. I, I baptized recently um, and had a, just a, it's such an impact on who I am and how I see the world. And, and, I, and that's all I kept thinking about. And I, I spiraled into some sort of grief or depression. I, I don't I really know how to describe it, but I had trouble getting to bed at night, trouble getting up in the morning. And, uh, and so I started writing. And uh, the more I wrote, the more I tried just tried to kind of package it into lessons. And unfortunately, this is not a celebratory uh, Lego every that Lego man everything is awesome type book. This is this is about trials and tribulations, and this is about peeling back the onion that you see on Facebook and Instagram, and where everything is awesome, and, and that's great. I still want to see the amazing things happening with you and your families and your friends and all that stuff's great. It's just it doesn't really reflect the messiness of life. So I can tell you, um, for me, I try to show up as the same person and I, I try to be the same authentic person at work, at home, at church, in the community, uh, with my friends. 
And, uh, and, and these principles in the book, I mean, it's pretty much how I live um, or I aspire to live, I should say. I think it was necessary to peel back the layers of the onion in a book like this, especially given the times. I mean, we went through a pandemic. People were working from home. It's really tough to s- separate work life and home life during this time. Can you speak to how this book just resonates with people at a different level, considering what we've been through the last year? You know, the the responses have been really humbling. Like I, I have had perfect strangers um, reaching out to me on LinkedIn, telling me they cried through the through the first three hours of the audiobook, which is is humbling to see. I, I think um, through the pandemic, we you know, we, we kind of experienced the worst of humankind, right? We were isolated. We were alone. We were kind of working, maybe not effectively, but we were working. We, we were running into grocery stores with our masks on, trying to get out as quickly as we could, um, averting eyes and space. Um, and, you know, I think we need humans. We Look, what we need is we need each other. We need connection. We need people. Um, you know, I, as, I, as I talk to my friends and family and, and try to practice myself, there's sometimes when we're glass is full and life is fantastic and we are feeling healthy and we are mind, body, soul. We're doing something for our mind, something for our body, something for our soul every day. We're getting the right amount of sleep. We're practicing gratitude. We got a phone down our head up. It's like, I'll be where your feet are. You're doing those six things and you're feeling good. Well, I got to tell you, you have a responsibility. You've got to reach out to those that aren't, you know, find, find the three people on your next zoom call who haven't had their video on in a week and reach out, just check in to him, just checking in to see or or someone whose voicemail box is full. Hey, just checking in and tell you, I'm thinking about you. I'd love to connect with you in the next couple of weeks. Let's like, let's do what we, um, let's make the world better. You know, and I, I think we all have an opportunity to do that. And it starts with you. You got to get healthy yourself. Then you take care of your family, however you define it. Could be your work family, your nuclear family, your extended family, however you define family. And then you can do your jobs. But this has been hard. It's been hard on all of us. And I don't, I haven't spoken to a person who didn't go through a rut during this pandemic. And, you know, we had, yeah, like we're the, you know, we're the three luckiest guys in the world, right? We have to go to games. To be honest with you, that was, that to me was the most mental health clearing experience through those 15 months. And I, you know, in the NBA side, I got to go to the bubble. I was in the bubble. So I was seeing games when nobody could. And then come up here. I mean, I remember that, that big Sharon Goldberg's goal um, and Jake Reynolds, the president, I were the only two in the stands, two of us. I only know because someone took a video of it. And I, I just think, man, what 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 a what a blessing. What what a what a reinforcement on the why, like why we do what we do, why we work 150 nights a year, why we'll like deal with the travel and the hours and the stress and the anxieties, because our purpose is to bring people together and create connection and create escapism and have you come to an arena and see the devs and scream and shout and dance and sing and high five and hug perfect strangers. Like that's what that's that's our purpose. And, and to, to get that, like, I think I lost my way on that. I'd be honest with you. Like I, you know, we've been building a big business here and, and sometimes you forget why the purpose of what you do, what you do. And for me, that, that was the biggest blessing that and a family dinner, I had not know family dinner, 25 years. Those are fun too. But other than that, I think the biggest blessing was just, just finding out and reinforcing the why we do what we do every day. And we're going to delve into a lot of that and how that impacts moving forward, not only society, and I know the Devils fans who are tuning in want to hear about what's up for the New Jersey Devils, but I do want to go back to the book because it's an easy read slash hard read because you ask the reader to do the work himself or herself, not just read your story and reflect on it, but try to improve your life as you go along. 
And it's the struggles that stand out because people would look at Scott O'Neill and say, well, he's CEO of HBSE. You mentioned the Sixers. You mentioned the Devils. We haven't talked about the EPL or or esports or any of the other ventures that you are intimately involved in. And yet, chapter after chapter, it's about the stumbles. And even in chapter one, which you entitle Where Your Feet Are, you relay losing a gig with Madison Square Garden and taking this trip with your family. Do you find that most people have their greatest strides off of some of their greatest failures? Yeah, well, I think that's where the learning takes place. That's where the relationships really happen. Um, and I, I've had my fair share of slips and falls. I, I agree. I think from the outside, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a poster child for like, life is great. And I like, I love my life. I'm, I'm not, I'm not ashamed of who I am or where I am. I've been married for 25 years. I've got three amazing daughters. I have this job I love, get to work with friends and um, inspired every day. All that stuff is great. But I, I, I goes back to that Instagram world we're in. It's like, I think Andy Warhol called it the 15 minutes of fame. I think it's more like 15 seconds of fame now. <laughs> and, um, and we're, I think we're seeking the wrong things. Um, and I don't think we understand what it actually takes I had a good friend of mine say the other day, he said, you know, I, I said, I, I overestimate what I can accomplish in a day and I underestimate what I can accomplish in a year. And I just said, man, that's so smart. Um, and I do too. I we stack our schedules, but if we actually can just pull that lens back, like just pull it back and like, let's not think about, um, you know, making another TikTok video. Let's just pull that lens back a little bit and, and think about who we aspire to be and what we're willing to do to get there and how we're willing to block off the time. But, you know, you have this analogy, I'm sure you heard it analogously talked about in terms of climbing a mountain, you know, you get to the top of the mountain. And, um, and, I, and I've been to a few mountains and I've been to the top of a couple, um, but I have fallen, fallen off the edge a few times as well. But I, I will say that, you know, you get up to the top of the mountain and, you, you know, the one thing, first thing you realize is it's lonely up there. It's the first thing you realize. Second thing you realize is you look back down where you just climbed up and you're like, that's where all the action is. That's where the fun is. That's where all the learnings are, you know, and, and, I, and they were not easy. You know, half the times you got an anvil around your neck and you're pushing a piano and the wind's in your face and it's raining and you trip over a rock and you fall. And, um, but that's where all the action is. And then the third thing you learn is you got to find another mountain. It's not too exciting up there, but uh, I, I will say, man, I think that's, that's smart. I, it's a smart question. I don't, I, I have never learned anything from a success. I really haven't. I've never learned any good lesson from a good win. Uh, all, all the lessons I have in my life are from when I was fired or lost a friend or run, I ran a company into the ground or had some issues at home. My daughter's like all that stuff. That's where that's life. That's called life. And I, I love the peek behind the curtain. And I, I think that more, more people that um, are in a position and have the opportunity to write a book, uh, the more we can share some vulnerable stories, I think it makes it more okay for the rest of us, you know? Um, more okay when things happen because it does life's messy. Like it's just messy and it has to be okay. That's messy. And if you're struggling, raise your hand, just raise it, get some help. Yeah. It's not Norman Rockwell. Chris, I'll let you jump in here in a second. I don't want anyone to think who's not read the book that it's all like, Oh my goodness, someone lost a job. There was a suicide, et cetera. And it's a downer. It is not a downer. It's just using those inflection points in your life, Scott, to talk about the lessons you learned and then hoping that people can also see they are not alone in so many ways. It's really an inspiring book that, Hey, a, we're not alone. And B, 
we do have control of a lot of what we can do to kind of pull ourselves out of it if we keep the right perspective. So it's not a downer. It's just some of the lessons are couched For in sure. hard realities. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, one of, I think you could have written a book all about this one chapter, but I, the do the work part of it, there's this chart that you have in the book and it's so simple, but you would never think about it. And it's just find your, what's most important and find one thing, one thing to do with that goes towards that what's most important a month. And for me, that's my wife and my relationship with my wife and finding things to do with her on a regular basis. So we've now coming off reading the book, we've dubbed it the summer of us. We're finding something that. new. Nice. Yeah. We're so we've started, we've tried new restaurants. We've gone for really long walks. Um, and we try and implement that into our lives now. But why is it so important for people to not just read your book and go take a few life lessons from it, but actually sit down and do, do that work. Yeah, I, that, this, I, I, definitely that um, story came from Jim Leonard, one of our colleagues at work whose uh, father passed away. And um, and he does one thing with his family a month to pay tribute to his dad. That's where the exercise came from, which I absolutely, I just love the notion of celebrating life. But, but to answer your question, Chris, um, I think that the most precious resource in the world is time. And I'm 51 years old. You know, it's not something I really understood when I was 40 or 30 or 20. Um, but at 50, I fully understand it. I think the pandemic like nailed that nail in the coffin. Like I absolutely understand it. Like I understand um, how fragile life is and I want to take advantage of moments. I want, um, if there's something that, that a reader or a listener today can take advantage of, um, it's that you have these moments with people you love and I want you to take advantage of If It's you with your wife it could be me with my daughter. Um, it could be me with, with, with a friend at work. Um, but we have this time and, and it's hard. Like we're, we're tired, we're stressed. We have anxiety, we, all the stuff when we get home. And the question is, is like, how, who are you going to be and how are you going to act? And, you know, my wife has some great, great little tidbits that she, she uses her, uh, her voodoo on me. But if I pick my phone up in the house, she's like, okay, I'll wait. I was like, wait, what? I'm just checking the score. It's the playoffs. I'm, you know, no, 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 no. If that's more important, like you got to do your thing. I'm, I'm away here. I'm, I'm good. You know, um, or I come home and I, you know, particularly, you know, we had a tough season on the dev side and, um, you know, I, I feel all those losses. I'm sure y'all do too. And, and you feel them and, and there's no, I, no one in this organization gets home after a loss. They're like, okay, let's get ready for the next day. We feel it. Um, it hurts. And, um, so particularly, you know, I come home, I was like, what, what are you doing? I'm like, what are you watching the games? Or like, what are you missing? And she's like, what are you missing, buddy? Like, you got to be a husband. You got to be a father. That's what I need you here for, you know? And um, so we, we need those, those wake up calls for the people who love us most. Uh, but it, it's yeah, you're right. Like those moments, 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 memories, memories, memories. It's like, how are you spending them? You want to hear the saddest anecdote or maybe it's a happy one. I don't know. You can take whatever you want from it. But during the pandemic with my three daughters, they're all home. And, um, and I got conversation starter cards for our dinners and like, I can carry a conversation with anybody, but I wanted to have more meaningful conversations. Like, how are you doing? Fine. I had teenage girls, you know, I'm like dragging information out of these kids. And for me, that was like the first start to kind of reigniting me coming out of through the pandemic, like isolated alone. Let's go re-engage. Let's turn off the office reruns. Let's put the TikTok down. Let's check the phone in the car, in the glove compartment. Let's talk. Let's have meaningful conversations. Yeah. The biggest message I got out of that was may not seem like it. You do have time. And 
you have to yourself make that time. And I, and so I appreciate that chart. It's good to know that, you know, it was Jim Leonard. It's a great idea. It's, 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 and I think everyone should implement that. That's one thing I definitely took from the book. Love I have that. time. It doesn't seem like that, but we have time and we can make it for each other. So that's one of the big lessons I took from it. Yeah. I just, I'd supplement that a little bit and say like, we have time for sure, but how much meaningful time are we spending? Like in my house, I'll just give you like a quick snapshot morning. I call it the NCAA tournament, survive and advance. Like it's literally like we got to get the kids without a nuclear meltdown out of the house and in the car into school. Okay. We don't have any, there are no meaningful moments in the, in the morning other than you stole my shirt. No, you stole my sneakers. You know, like, I'm like, Oh boy, here we go. So I'm trying to just get them out of the house. I'm at work there at school. They got homework. They have sports, basketball, cheerleading, whatever. Then they've got homework their boyfriends. I don't want to talk about that. And then, then I'm at work and then I come home. And so how much time, like think about like think about time differently. If you just thought about not about time in terms of of quantity, but about quality. If you have an hour a day with your wife or your kid or your friend or your partner, whatever, okay, an hour. How are you gonna spend the hour? If you think of it that way, I think we'll spend it differently. I, I truly think that we'll engage you there and it won't be so passive. And then we're gonna actively engage in kind of who we are and, and, and how we show up. Uh, Jim Leonard is not the only HBSE employee who plays a role in your book. The stories are just incredibly deep that they tell and how they came out of some of their circumstances and the things they do to make their lives and others better. And so I think a devil's fan, and I'm just addressing the devil's fan who's listening, the, the book is for anyone, but I think the devil's fan who reads this book who may not quite get HBSE fully they got a great understanding about the people who are in our organization trying to uh, make the world better, but also make the team better because that's a big part of it as well. So there are some fabulous stories and you'll buy the book and you'll be able to read them. So on that note, can we turn a little bit to the devils? Let's talk hockey. Let's do it because I know, uh, I you know, hockey. I, yeah, love hockey. I know yeah. you do. I, I, I wish there was some video of you on those ponds uh, up in Newburgh. Chadwick Lake. <laughs> like, you do not want video of that. You do not want video of that. Like you literally, like a Zamboni would beat me in a race. Like that's how bad it is. Okay, it's, it's slow. Good hands, though. Good hands. Good hands. Oh, that's will. important. Will and hands. Hey, that's important. But the bottom line is uh, you're not new, quote unquote, to the sport. It didn't come along with uh, your gig here with HBSE. So overall thoughts on on kind of where the devils are. You know, you don't brush off, as you said, losses. But at the same time, there is a process. Trust the process, which I know is misunderstood, but it's a good thing. Uh, so where are the devils in your mind and what can we expect this year and moving forward, do you think? Yeah, to be completely transparent, like what we walked into eight years ago uh, was not what we expected. Uh, it, was a, it was a quick diligence, three-week diligence in acquiring a team. The team had a lot of financial troubles, everybody knows. Um, and so we, we were scrambling in the beginning just to create some stability. We were down to, I think, 57 employees or so. The, the league had taken on the, the, you know, the team um, and paying payroll. So it was, it was a tough situation we walked into. And, and the, the prospects uh, that we were, that were so heralded to us were, were Reed Boucher and John Merrill and Eric Yelna. And, um, and it was, there was, you know, we were the oldest team in the league, the slowest team in the league, um, at least by my eye. And uh, we didn't have anything 
going. And I, I wish my 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 disappointment is is that we didn't rip the bandaid off the, the day one. And if we did, we'd be in a di- very different spot now. And you know, we handed it for a few years and and tried to tried to make some patchwork. And at the end of the day, if you do your homework and you look at the franchises that you admire the most, and I don't know who they are in your eyes. I don't know if it's is Chicago in their run or Pittsburgh in their run or Washington in their run or what Tampa's doing or what LA did or you know what the Islanders are doing now. Um, I don't know who what franchises you follow, who you care about, who you track, who you admire. Um, but the ones that that I admire, the ones I track, they did it by drafting a young core. That's just the facts. And and in this league, we draft really young young men. I don't want to call them kids, but they're young men. Um, and and they are not physically ready to be regular NHL players. And um, and so we're committed to that. Uh, I w- like I said, I wish we started eight years ago. We didn't. We started three years ago. And and on that journey, this is the first Devils team that I totally fell in love with. And I, I think that's the romance of hockey. I really do. I, I think that you fall in love with teams. Um, you fall in love with players. You fall in love with personalities. You fall in love with the way they skate. You know, I, I you know spent some time working with uh, Glenn Sather at the Rangers, the hated Rangers. Um, but, you know, you, you, that's another thing in this business. It's like you hate them on the ice, but they're all your friends. I mean, it's mm-hmm. the smallest business in the world. Like, I, I, every team you hate, and I do hate them, you know, I hate every team you play. Um, but they're all my friends that work the organization. So you root for the organizations, you're, you're rooting against the team. I know that doesn't make sense to any fans at all. But if you ever work in this business, you fully understand what I'm talking about. But uh, Glenn Sander used to used to watch the games from from the rafters. And he he could and I still go, how do you know? I can barely see the people. I don't see that well. And he's like, I can, I can tell by the way they skate. And this team, I can tell by the way they skate. I can sit anywhere and watch this team. I can watch this team practice. I can watch them and skate around. Um, I can watch him get off the bus and I'm happy. I, I think that we have something really special. I do. And I, I don't, I, 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 I'm frustrated. I know if, I'm sure some fans are frustrated with the losing. I'm frustrated with the losing. I just didn't think there was any other way. I think we have the right pieces in place. I think Lindy's the right coach. I think Fitzy's the right GM. I think they're going to build something special. I love what they've done in the draft the last three years. I really do. Like I, and you're seeing it and you look at our system, like, when we walked in here, look at the American League when we got in here and look at the American League now. Um, I, I, th- I think we have some really, really special pieces. So, you know, with Jack, Nico, looks like Sharon Govich, Ty Smith, you've got a That's a heck of a core. You know, Miles Wood became a leader this year, you know. Um, so I, I like I like this team. We'll see if Blackwood's going to be the guy. Seems like he's the guy that they're anointing. Um, goalies are always up and down, as we know. Uh, but if he can, if he can be Blackwood, like, like uh, our hockey guys are expecting and we can bring a one B in, uh, this team's going to play meaningful hockey this year. Uh, we, we have some work to do. It's not like we do not, this is not like the ostrich strategy. Like we do not have our heads in the sand. Like we're watching the same games you are. I promise you we're watching the games. And so, yes, we need to get bigger and tougher and stronger in the blue line. We know, you know, um, and then the risk is, is like, you you want these young men to play meaningful hockey and we want them to grow up in the system. And I, I, I love what we did last year. And, and no, I don't, I didn't love the losing, but I just, I loved, loved, loved this team. Um, I mean, I think we had more than double the points of any players under 23 and we had a lot of them. Uh, and I just, I love the youthful enthusiasm. Uh, and, um, but, well, we have, we have a ways to go. Um, but you've seen this in hockey. You've seen this movie. You, you have a young core, you build around them. You make a meaningful run with good goaltending. And that's what we expect to do.
And you mentioned, um, I mean, you've got the assets now, you've got these young players, you've got this core bubbling up, you need to provide them resources. And one of the biggest resources you could provide is the head coach and Lindy Ruff is coming off his first season at the helm from top to bottom. When the organization brought in Lindy father figure for a young team is basically what they said he would be. And it seems like the young players loved playing for him. We definitely noticed they had no quit which is probably one of the most fun aspects of this team last year is they were fun to watch because they were fast, they're quick, and you could see the star potential of some of these players, but also they never quit in games, even some when they were really outmanned. what did you think of Lindy Ruff in his first season at the helm? When we, look, I'm the CEO, so I'm not like drafting players. I'm not like selecting lineups. I'm not like, um, making trades. I'm not like recruiting free agents. I mean, that's, Fitzy does his thing, um, but in, in something like a coaching search, um, that's something that's a big enough position where Fitzy will, you know, I, I interviewed Lindy, of course, Josh and David, uh, Josh Harris and David Blitzer, um, who own the, own the organization, will do that. And my, my big question for Lindy, I mean, you, you know what you do in a, in a preparing for a coaching interview is you, you know, you call 10 people that you know and respect in hockey. I've been in this league for 13 years. Um, you know, I've, I've been in the boardroom for 13 years. I know a lot. I have a lot of friends, um, in the game and out of the game. And, um, and you call them and you, you talk to people who worked with him before you talk to players who played for him before you try to get a sense of, you know, where things fell apart. Why did you get fired in your last two jobs? Um, what happened, you know, um, how did you last so long in Buffalo? You know, all that, what happened in Dallas? How'd you grow stars in Dallas? You're looking at, you do homework. So you actually understand what questions to ask, you know? Um, and so my only question is track record speaks for himself. He's as good a human being as you, I think you'll ever find in the game of hockey. And I don't think there's a person in the national hockey league that would say otherwise. Um, the one question I wanted to answer to was like, how are you with young kids? Like, I, I want to know what it's like. And, um, that's his strength. You, you just, you, you, you don't expect it because he's been in the, been in this game so long, you know? Um, but that's who he is. I mean, that, you know, in, in this game, where there's so much, you know, there's so much, you're putting your heart and soul into every game as a player and you're putting your body on the line and you're working for your teammates um, and you're sacrificing yourself. Um, and there's so much discipline required. So there's no game in the world that requires such sacrifice, speed, heart, team centric play and, and the discipline. I guess the closest thing would be football, but it doesn't play at the speed. I mean, football whistle blows every five seconds. Um, and so when you're young, you make mistakes, you know, you miss a back check, you know, you make a dipsy do behind the back pass right in front of our own net. I mean, we've seen plenty of this stuff. You miss an assignment on a PK, which was tough to watch for all of us. Right. And he didn't sick us. Like he didn't, he didn't pull you for a period. He didn't bury you on the bench until three minutes to go in the third. And I think he's the right guy for this team. I do. I, in my heart, I believe it. I watched it. I watched these guys flourish and I watched them make fewer and fewer mistakes as the season went on. I, I watched him grow in confidence. Um, you know, that, that's the word. I think it's the most overused word in the national hockey league, confidence. Um, and boy, we had a little bad puck luck. I mean, how many, Posts and crossbars did Jack hit? Honestly, like how many did he hit? Eighteen. Might have led the league. Like it. Yeah. 
Never seen anything like it. Uh, but I, I love his maturation too this year. You know, I, you know, of course, Nico was down for most of the year, and so that hurts. But you know, we we weren't ready this year. This this was a year that we were going to see what we had, and I, I love what we have. And I, I any fan who's who watched us this year is saying the same thing. And I'm not saying they're not saying like, hey, I want to be in the playoffs. I want to do what the Islanders. Do. I do too. I do too. Um, but I think this team's coming like a freight train. So buckle up. Ready to see what this year holds. I know the fans are curious with assets that the Devils have created, whether it's draft picks or cap space. There's opportunity to make deals and make Yeah, moves. let's go. Would you let's expect the team, go. Fitzy, to let's be go. active using those this summer? Look, I mean, you look at it, you look at these playoffs and you see uh, Greeny and Palms and Trav and Blake, and you're just like, okay, you know, let's fill the coffers. Let's go. You know, we've got plenty of cap space. Let's use it. We got picks. Let's go get them. We got this expansion draft. That's going to create opportunity. Um, and, and Fitzy seems like he's he's locked in and zeroed in. Um, you know, he's got the green light to go. So let's let's put some let's put some players on the ice. So I, I'm excited. I don't. I, I mean, nobody here, nobody in this organization wants to stifle the growth of some of this talent. Um, you know, these young forwards, man. Um, that's pretty exciting. But uh, but it's time. It's time. It's time. So you'll you'll, you'll hopefully you'll you'll be happy. I, I don't think Fitzy will do a bad deal. So he's gonna look for the best deal he can do. And if he can't get a good deal, I'm sure he'll put it in his pocket. But but I think we all see what we need. We all know what we need. I think every fan that's watching right now can tell me exactly what what uh, what Fitzy's thinking. Um, I know you two know. And it's time. It's time to start start building up. We have this young core in place. Now let's go build a hockey team and win some games. Maddie, can I ask a shameless content question here? Of course you may. Okay. Well, he's on, he's on our podcast. Nothing, so. There's no such thing as a shameless content question. <laughs> uh, well, you're, well, you've joined us here on the podcast I, and we're talking about the story and Maddie and I see it. And obviously you see it and we're, we're watching this play all the time, but it's so important to tell this story to the fans and do so in a quality manner. And for you, you've always kind of said content's King. Uh, in fact, I mean, you started a content company, you talk about it in your book ahead of its time. I mean, before it was readily available for people to be able to watch video mobily and stuff like that. So obviously a long time in your career, you've been thinking of content. How important is what's developed over the last couple of years here? You went from a content team of two people to now more than 10 people. We have a live production studio. We have a weekly podcast, which you're on right now. Um, extensive on-site editorial, all that stuff. How important Despite is that the during talent. this time? Then the, yeah, exactly. Okay, right? <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know, don't mind, don't mind me. I'm going to definitely say that. Uh, but yeah, I just want to, <laughs> yeah, we got Maddie. It's not I, me. I'll, it's I'll Maddie. You know, this is a game. Um, you know, there, there are a lot of differences in the different leagues I've worked in. You know, I've worked in the NFL and NBA and NHL and, and a bunch of the esports leagues. And, and, and what I love about the National Hockey League and its players are that their organization first, their team first. They, um, they, they are willing to do whatever it takes to help the team win. And that's on and off the ice. And oftentimes, you know, coaches, uh, managers in this league have asked them to just shut it down, just play hockey, you know, simplify. It's like when things go badly, what is the first thing coach says? Simplify your game, right? That's the first thing they say. And, and so part of that is like, you know, eliminating the distractions, which, which some might consider, you know, social media distraction or content distraction. This, this organization being in the shadow of New York City needs to be different, you know? Um, and what, what's really interesting is, is you think about, I mean, every, you know, we measure, I have this phrase, 
uh, I didn't invent it, but uh, inspect what you expect. It's kind of how I go see the world. And so you can set up, you know, you run an organization, you set expectations, you set the vision, mission, then you set expectations of what you want to accomplish. And then, then you have to inspect what you expect. And, and so we, we have several, um, you know, measurements, we call them KPIs, key performance indicators of how we're doing. Like, how is our fan interest? How is our, and you can look at ratings, you can look at social media engagement. And th- this organization was, was near the bottom when we came in. I mean, like 20, 29, 30, 31-ish. And now we're like mid-table. And it's amazing. You know, this is not um, an original 16. You know, we don't sit in, we're not, this is not the state of hockey. But yet, I, and, and I think that has all to do with the content team. I don't think that's, you know, I mean, we haven't won. And so this content team is, is extraordinary. And, and, um, and I think the two things that will determine success eventually in this business over the next decade will be data and content. And I know nobody wants to talk about data because it's not interesting enough. Certainly not on a podcast like this. Um, but for me, I'm very interested in data. I want to understand who our fans are. I want to understand what they like, what they dislike. I want to understand like who their favorite players are, why, and what's their favorite memory. And so that we can continue to create content to get them interested and excited. Because when this team catches up, and it will, um, that's when fun's going to take place. Uh, we, have, we have the sales machine built. We've got the content team built. Uh, and the team's coming. And that, that's pretty exciting. So I, I don't think, I think we barely scratched the surface in terms of where we can go. We're very fortunate in, in, in Lindy being the type of coach that engages with us. You know, we're very fortunate in, in the fact that, that Fitzy engages with us, meaning like he's part of all our business discussions um, and, and uh, is very integral, integral part of what we do and how we do it. And, and we have this opportunity to tell stories of some of what I think will be the great future stars of this league. Um, this will be the center of hockey. It will be. We will be the story, 100%. And whether it's next year, which I think we'll play meaningful games, the year after, the year after when we start our decade-long run of excellence, but it is coming. And so what, what, great, what a great opportunity to be able to have such an incredible content team to tell that story and to tell it in a way where we get to know our players. We get to know them personally. It's hard. Only 1% of our Devils fans will ever get to a game. We have Devils fans all over the world. And so our opportunity is like, I want, just like I, you know, I get, I get up close and personal. I get to see them. I get to know them. I'm at every game. I see practices. I, I fall in love with these guys a little sooner than the market typically. Um, but the way that this content team is, has put out um, and, and, and walked us behind the scenes and, and let us understand their personalities and their dreams and their hopes and their frustrations. Uh, it's been, been quite a treat to, to see it all come together. Yeah, I think I asked that just because I wanted to indicate the devils have opened the doors and it is wonderful to see. And as a content human, and I think Maddie would agree, it's awesome to be able to actually tell the stories and have the doors be open. I think fans do appreciate it. Yeah, I, I would hope so. I just, from from our end, um, from your, I guess on your behalf, uh, yeah, what a gift, what a gift. And with that comes comes great responsibility, you know? And and I think that, that the team, you two, leading the team it's you know you have to respect what is best for the team all the time now, i don't think fans really get a behind the scenes look about about how it all works but you know i having having worked with several general managers and several head coaches in my my career in the national hockey league i will tell you they all have different views they all have different levels of engagement but some will look at there's not a video that will go on a scoreboard without them checking off on and i'm all for it i, I say hey whatever you we're here to help you win 
That's our jobs. Like we're here to create home ice advantage. We're here to showcase the players so people fall in love with them. We're here to help you so you can attract uh, free agents. You know, we're, that's what we do. You know, we, we're enablers and amplifiers. And so, um, so I, I love, I love the level of engagement of, of Lindy and Fitzy and, uh, and boy, this team look out. I think we're all excited by your words and what we see as well. And I know the fans do it fighting through some of those frustrations, those tough losses, those hockey gods looking the other way posts and crossbars that were hit, but know that what they see is the real deal. Last couple, we'll let you go. We spent far more time. Oh, listen, I've loved it, but maybe a little bit more time than you possibly thought. HBSE is an innovative company, community driven we know that the, the, the resources that uh, Josh and David have put in, Michael Rubin put into the community, both here and in Philadelphia and in Camden. Uh, I mean, it's, it's just a company that is so open-armed. Uh, it's not closed in any way. It wants to not only be the best at what it does, but bring the best to the people it serves and the community it serves. What's next? What's the future hold as you see it? Future of this company? I want yeah. to win games. I'll tell you that. That's 100%. I want more wins. I want more playoff series. Um, I want a cup or two here. Um, a couple I more batters would be nice over the rink. I like what, that idea. But that's what you, I mean, look, if you're not, if you're not, that's not what you're going for. You're in the wrong company. Like we, you know, there's always, you can be patient. You can be prudent. You can be smart. Um, you can, you can make the right decisions and, you know, I still believe patience is the last great arbitrage of sports. I do. I believe it in all my soul. Um, but at the end of the day, we're here to win. And I, I think winning will open up and unlock all types of opportunity. So are there other business opportunities we're working on? Of course. You know, we just set up a real estate company requiring theaters. We have a whole development plan. I think there's opportunity in Philadelphia. There's opportunity in Camden. There's opportunity in Newark. There's opportunity in greater New Jersey. So we'll, we'll do we'll do plenty of deals. Um, you know, we just set up Elevate, a sports marketing company. That's the kind of thing that, that we do. Um, because we can, because it's fun. Uh, but but this organization is built to try to win and, and build a cut and bring that cut back to New Jersey where it belongs. And that's where we should end it. Uh, Scott, thanks so much for your time. It, it's been enlightening. The book is great. If anyone hasn't picked it up yet, be where your feet are. Seven principles to keep you present, grounded, and thriving. You'll enjoy it. Uh, as I said, it's an easy read. It's a hard read. It's a great read. Thanks very much for your time. I appreciate you both. Let's have some fun. Let's go, Devs. Congrats on the new house, honey. What's this? Carbon monoxide detectors? Yeah, put one on every level. Because you can't see or smell carbon monoxide. And when fuel-burning appliances aren't working right, CO can build up and be deadly. Guys, I'm on it. We just want to know you're safe. At PSENG, we're committed to your family's safety. Know how to prevent carbon monoxide poisoning. If your CO detector goes off, leave immediately. Then call 911. Protect the ones you love. Learn more at PSEG.com slash gas safety. I like the way we began because it talked about the development of the book and all the principles that he espouses in the book and how they can help each and every one of us. But I also love the end of it because it makes me the end of the interview because it makes me want to get this season going, doesn't it? It does. And uh, actually, Tom Fitzgerald just spoke to some of the staff a couple of weeks ago. And he was talking about how important this offseason is for the New Jersey Devils because it's so unique. You have the expansion draft. You have teams that are in cap trouble. You have cap space. You have two first round picks. You have assets that you can move around and shuffle around. To hear that now echoed by the CEO and even go as so far to say as 
we got the green light here. Let's go. <laughs> like, Maddie, let's go. I am mm-hmm. so excited to see what happens this offseason. I don't want to I don't want to fast forward through the draft and expansion draft and, and free agency. I want to see it all. I want to take it all in. But then, yes, get me to October. Get me to the season. I'm ready to go. I think this will be a completely different roster this season. I'm excited to see it. And get me to those meaningful games as well. But let's begin, you know, in October and work toward those meaningful games. Meaningful games, I guess, play throughout. But at the end of the year, when there's a lot on the line and then kicking off and maybe it starts this year, uh, I guess in some ways it started the last several years building toward that decade long run of excellence. And why not add a few more banners uh, hanging over Prudential Center, adding to the three cups one. An exciting time up ahead, long-term exciting time for New Jersey Devils fans, without a doubt. I think he was ready to raise the uh, best podcast host banner for Matt Lachlan (laughs) at some point in that interview as well. But it was good to hear and uh, definitely excited. I mean, like I said, completely different roster coming up this season. It was incomplete last year. It might still be incomplete at the end of this summer, but it will be a lot more towards the completed end. And I think we're going to see a completely different competitive team this year. Without a doubt. There are a lot of reasons also to buy the book. We talked about a lot of them. There's a purple water buffalo story in there that made me laugh and made me think. And so if anyone needs another reason to buy the book, purple water buffalo and who do you want to be? So on that note, Chris, thanks very much. It was a blast. It was a blast. Thank you, Maddie, as always. And special thanks to Andrew McLean, our producer. Thanks to my co-host, Chris Westcott. And special thanks to you, our listeners. We always appreciate your company. It's very important, and it, it makes our job that much more enjoyable and that easier to do. And, of course, thanks to RWJ Bartipus Health for being our sponsor, and our partnership is great. We love RWJ Barnabas Health, the official health care provider of the New Jersey Devils. On that note, we'll talk to you next time, folks. Until then, be safe, be well. Bye-bye.